Christ is risen. Christos was Christian. Christos Anesti. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved Orthodox Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, on the sixth Sunday of Pascha that we are celebrating today, we're commemorating a marvelous miracle that our Savior wrought in the city of Jerusalem to a man who was born blind. And this miracle, until the resurrection of Lazarus, was the greatest of miracles that our Savior had wrought. There are many miracles that he did to the blind people. He cured their blindness, but this was something special about this blind man and something special how our Savior cured him, how he healed him. And we will come to knowledge of this when I, when I explain it. But let us see, follow the narration of the gospel to arrive to that point. For we hear first the disciples of our Savior ask him when they saw this blind man, who sinned, he or his parents, that he was born blind, that he is in such a calamity that he has not seen the light of the day throughout his life. The disciples didn't ask him, our Savior, because those were the questions they themselves had, but rather this they heard what the Jews and the Pharisees and scribes were saying about this blind man, the deliberations they were making of explaining why he was born in such a terrible condition, and having heard that, they asked our Savior, and by hearing what is that, how the Jews were trying to explain this, we will understand how far they were removed already from the faith of the law of Moses, from the explanation of a faith contained in the prophets, and how far they were removed from everything that we know from the Old Testament. For what did they say? First, that this man might have sinned, and that's why he was born blind. One can ask, how can a man sin? And because of that, be born blind. That is, if he was born blind, then how is it that he sinned and, because, and that is why he was born blind? The explanation is contained in the fact that in that time, the Jews believed in the reincarnation. Imagine that. That's, and today, the Kabbalistic Judaism contains those teachings that there is pre-existence of souls, and the souls go through different bodies, and what you sin in the previous life, then you pay for it in the next life. That was one of the teachings that Jews had, the, one of the sects of the Jews had espoused in uh, being Jews. At the same time, they confessed this, this uh, erroneous teaching. That for one. And the second was that his parents might, might have sinned, and that is why he was born like that. That also betrays far, how far removed they were from the mind of the law. Because what do we read in the law? That the children will not be answerable for the sins of their fathers. That is the meaning, as St. Cyril of Alexandria explains, of the saying contained in the law, what our Savior tells Moses, that it shall not be in my law, that it is said that, that fathers have eaten sour grapes, it is the children whose mouth was soured. That is, that because the previous generation committed sin, the next generation will not be liable of that sin, not responsible 
guilty of that sin. Yes, they might suffer consequences of whatever the previous generation chooses, but they will not be answerable for their particular sins of their fathers. No, every man is responsible for his own sins, and he will answer for his own sins. So we see how two explanations the Jews had of why this man was born blind, and both of them so erroneous, so far away from the mind of the law of Moses and of the prophets. That is why our Savior said, neither his parents nor he himself, this is the being he was born blind, so that the works, the marvelous works of God will be shown in him. And what is this marvelous work? What is was so different about this man that uh, our Savior wrought in him this miracle? The clue is given to us in what our Savior did to heal him. Unlike any other healing, he does something. He spits on the ground and molds balls of clay and puts in the, in, the, uh, in the sockets of the eye of this man and then the man washes himself and sees. Why did he do that? He did it because when we read that the man was born blind, what it means, and St. Basil the Great explains this as well as the service of, the, of today's Sunday, the man was born without eyes at all. His sockets of the size were empty. In that deformity he was born. And what our Savior does by spitting on the ground, he molds new eyes for him, the eyes that he never had. He fashions with his creative hands the eyes of this man and puts them in the empty sockets. And then when the man washed his new eyes, he was able to see. Therefore, our Savior, that is why this miracle is so great a miracle, because in it, our Savior shows his creative power. Not only he can heal, but he can create organs, human organs, and put them and give sight to the man. And if the Jews and the Pharisees and the leaders of the Jewish nation, religious leaders, hadn't been so blinded, by erroneous teachings that we see they espouse, they would have seen what this means. What is the meaning of this? That a man who can mold earth into ice, who is the only one who can do that? Creator can. The one who molded human body of that first human, Adam, and breathed into him the spirit, that is the same one, the only one who can do such a thing of molding the eyes and giving sight to the man through the clay that he converted into ice. If they had had hearkened to the teachings of the prophets and the law of Moses, they would understand that the Messiah, who is, he is the Messiah who is standing in front of them. And the Messiah is the one who who is the creator at the same time, that God who created and, and chose the Abrahamite children to dwell among them, he has truly come and dwelt among them, as he has said through the prophets, that in the last day he shall come and stand among us. God the creator will come and stand among us. That is what the, prof- what the faith of the prophets was. But they were so far removed from it. They were so taken by erroneous false teachings that something that was clear in front of them, they were in denial. And what did they say? This man cannot be of God because he has wrought this on a Sabbath day. Look at the blindness that a man see. Someone fashion eyes out of earth, and yet they're trying to find excuse not to believe. How great is that blindness? 
And yet, even in this excuse of theirs that our Savior wrote this on the Sabbath day, did our Savior actually break the Sabbath day? Not so. For what does it mean to keep the Sabbath day? It says in the law of Moses, thou shalt sanctify the Sabbath and rest on it. The Jews ignored the first one, the sanctification of Sabbath, and only concentrated on resting on the Sabbath day. But first comes sanctification. And what does it mean? How do the fathers explain? How do we sanctify the Sabbath day or any feast day, any day of rest? By keeping the commandments even with more zeal than any other day. By doing good with even more zeal. By being merciful with even more zeal. By loving our neighbor with even more zeal. That is how we sanctify the Sabbath day. And not by abstaining from doing good. What kind of sanctification is that? If we see somebody needs help and we shall not help because we say we rest on the Sabbath day. That is doing evil. That is blaspheming the Sabbath day. Therefore our Savior was teaching them of the Jews by specifically working these miracles on the Sabbath day, that this is how we keep Sabbath, by sanctifying it, by keeping God's commandments even with more zeal on the Sabbath day. We see, beloved Christians, how marvelous this miracle is. And just as our Savior wanted to heal the man, everyone, he was he's merciful and compassionate and plenteous in mercy. And just as he wanted to heal everyone that came to him, that was ailing physically, then opened the eyes of a man who had such a calamity of having not seen the sun of the light of the day throughout his life, so also he wants to come and heal our spiritual blindness. For just as we have physical eyes with which we see, we also have spiritual eyes. And the, these eyes are dimmed, they're blinded. These were the eyes that were given to first fashion Adam. This is the spiritual eyes with which he communed with God. For through spiritual eyes, when they are open, God reveals himself directly to us. Not through somewhere else, not through books, not through secondary things, but he himself touches our soul by his grace and brings knowledge about him directly. Not through intermediaries, but the primal mind, that is uncreated mind, as we chant in the conducting of St. Gregor Palamas, connecting directly to his image, that is the created mind of a human being. But that those eyes with which Adam beheld God were dimmed because of the fall, because of the sin and passion and death and corruption that entered into the world. And since then, our eyes are dimmed, they're blinded because of passion and sin. These eyes our Savior wants to come to open unto us. Because far greater is to have these eyes opened than to have physical eyes opened. And as a proof of this, I will bring one beautiful story from life of a great uh, Irish saint, St. Bridget, uh, who was the mother, the Amma of the uh, monastics, women monastics in Ireland. In her life, there's a beautiful account how... She was sitting once at the shores of the Atlantic Ocean and the, the sunsets from Ireland and Scotland are, are most beautiful to, to behold. And she was sitting and seeing, beholding this beauty of the creation and her mind was praising God who had created such a beautiful thing for us to behold the sun setting. And next to her was one sister, an elderly who had been a nun for, for, for many years. And she was blind from her birth. 
And St. Bridget was so moved by compassion for, for this elderly nun who had never seen the sun, who had never seen the light of the day, that in her heart she prayed to our Savior, merciful Savior, that please open the eyes to this woman so that she can see the beauty of your creation. And at that moment, holy that she was, the eyes of the, of the elderly nun were opened. And she didn't say a word. She simply contemplated the beauty of the setting sun. And after the sun said, she said to her mother, Thank you, mother, but I ask you that just as you, she, she perceived that it was through her prayers that she had uh, eyes now opened, just as you asked our Savior that he opened my eyes, so also ask him that he take my sight away. And St. Bridget was dumbfounded. Why? Why, mother? Why would you want that? Because beautiful as it is, the sunset and the light of the day, it is a destruction when one has already beheld the sun of righteousness shine with his uncreated light in one's soul. Therefore, having beheld the sun of righteousness, our Savior, and his uncreated light, this created light is a destruction for me. Therefore, remove my eyes that I may not be distracted from this great blessing that I already have of beholding the light of our Savior, that is, his grace. And that mother, Bridget, prayed again, and the woman became blind again. Look how great is are the mysteries of God. How incomprehensible, how far we, uh, we fall short of, of, the, of the mind of the saints. And that illustrates to us how greater it is, the beholding of our Savior, of beholding the beauty of his countenance with the purity of our minds than any created thing that we behold. And one may ask, yes, it is true, and we believe and trust the saints, but how does one get there? How we, these are lofty things. How do we get there? The answer is contained in the writings of the saints, especially St. Isaac the Syrian. Just as the resurrection of our Savior is preceded by the cross, so also the consolation of God revealing himself in us and resurrecting our deadened souls and opening our eyes is preceded by us taking up our cross and following him. Just as the resurrection is a consolation and one is consoled after the cross of beholding the resurrection, and that is the aim and the purpose of the carrying the cross. So also, the culmination of us trying day after day to carry a cross is the consolation of God in certain time of our life, whenever he deems us worthy, to open bit by bit our blinded eyes so that we can be consoled by beholding him directly. And this is not a theory, this is a reality. Just as we know from the life of from St. Bridget, from all the other saints, that they accomplished this in this life. In this life they were deemed worthy of this. And they were people of the same passions, same weaknesses as ourselves. They were not people from another world that had no difficulties, had no weaknesses. No, the same kind of people. But the key was that they, that they carried their cross daily. And the carrying the cross daily is means of us keeping with zeal the commandments of God outwardly and inwardly. 
What does it mean outwardly? That we are we fast, we come to church, we are merciful, we do all the works of righteousness. And inwardly keeping the commandment is being watchful, watchful over the thoughts that come and abide in our heart, being constantly at guard to reject and to chase away every defiled thought that is defiles the holiness of us being baptized Orthodox Christians. So just like the cross has two parts of which it is made, so also this praxis, this working of righteousness, which is our daily cross, has two parts, the outward, the inward. Outward is keeping the commandments with whole zeal, with our neighbor, being merciful, being compassionate, being zealous for fasts and for the service of the church. Inwardly, keeping God over our hearts so that that place, which is our holy of holies, will be kept pure. And if anything enters there, we chase out. Yes, it is a struggle. Yet it is difficult. And terribly difficult even the second, that is inward watchfulness, than the outward righteousness. But that is the cross that we have to carry. And if we try day after day to pick up this cross, and our Savior sees our intention that we do not give up, that even we come almost half dead in the evenings of having carried a cross and having kept, tried to keep the commandments of God with our whole zeal, we pick it up again the next morning and we go day after day in this zealous activity. He, in his time, will do the rest which, is, which, which we lack, which we were not able to perform. And after having cleansed himself, us, inwardly, and purified us, he will grant us this vision that our darkened and blinded eyes of our soul be opened and we also receive this consolation of beholding directly the beauty of his countenance. Let us therefore be zealous for this, beloved Christians. Let us try. Nothing is in between us and trying at least. The consummation, the the fruit is our Savior's work, but the trying is ours. What is it, What stands between us and actually trying every day and being zealous every day and picking up a cross even to try to carry it? And we shall see if we do try, if we are on guard, on our mind and on our heart of what enters and what goes out of it, and if we are trying with our whole hearts to be compassionate, merciful, and keeping the God's commandments outwardly, we shall see how much aid we shall receive, how much help and succor we shall receive from our Savior in all the things that we are not able to accomplish. And if we persist in this struggle, if we really persist in cleansing our inward man, of carrying this cross, of being zealous for the commandments in due time, as just as we believe that after cross comes the resurrection, and if we don't believe that resurrection is there after the cross, we cannot be considered Christians. In the same manner, we should believe that after trying and after carrying the cross, our Savior will console us. Our Savior will send his grace. Our Savior will open the eyes, dimmed eyes of our heart and reveal the beauty of his face to us. Of this, beloved Christians, may he deem us worthy by the prayers of St. Bridget and all the saints. Amen.